So we're going to read from Galatians chapter 1, verses 1 to 10, and the words will be on the screen or in your leaflets. Paul, an apostle, sent not from men nor by a man, but by Jesus Christ and God the Father, who raised him from the dead, and all the brothers and sisters with me, to the churches in Galatia. Grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself for our sins to rescue us from the present evil age, according to the will of our God and Father, to whom be glory for ever and ever. Amen. I am astonished that you are so quickly deserting the one who called you to live in the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel, which is really no gospel at all. Evidently, some people are throwing you into confusion and are trying to pervert the gospel of Christ. But even if we or an angel from heaven should preach a gospel other than the one we have preached to you, let them be under God's curse. As we have already said, so now I say again, if anybody is preaching to you a gospel other than what you accepted, let them be under God's curse. Am I now trying to win the approval of human beings or of God? Or am I trying to please people? If I were still trying to please people, I would not be a servant of Christ. Amen. Freedom, finally. Freedom to live, freedom to work, freedom to socialise again, freedom to travel. Well, this is the promise of the COVID vaccine, isn't it? This is uh, why the whole world has been holding its breath so that life can go back to normal. Freedom. The vaccine is what our world has def uh, desperately longed for. And now that we finally have vaccines being distributed in lots of countries, I often wonder uh, how the vaccinologists, the scientists, the, the people who developed over thousands of hours of R&D and testing and over, over the past 12 months or so, I often wonder how do they feel as they see the vaccine going out into the world, doing good, and then some people refuse it. You know, have you ever wondered, what must it feel like that? For these people, they've poured all this energy and expertise. It's gone through rigorous testing processes. They know that what they've produced together can save lives. And here are people who are turning their nose up at it. Well, I imagine they probably feel somewhat similar to how the Apostle Paul felt as he wrote this letter to the Galatians. I am astonished, said Paul. Can you imagine a vaccinologist saying that? I'm astonished that people won't take this. It'll save them. I'm astonished, says Paul. You see, Paul had given the Galatians the one thing that he knew they needed. Not a vaccine, but the gospel. He knew that it was the only thing that would bring not just back to normal freedom, but true, eternal, real freedom. And he had given it to them. He would taken it to them at great cost. Paul had gone through shipwreck, through imprisonment, through harassment and mobs and hunger and poverty in order to bring them the one thing they needed, 
the gospel, the good news of Jesus. And yet here, as Paul writes to them not very long afterwards, he can't believe what he's heard. They're abandoning, deserting God, abandoning the gospel for another message, another good news, another gospel. Now I wonder, I wonder how you feel as you think about the Galatians. I, I wonder actually, well I wonder if for some of us here who aren't Christian, maybe you look and you think, well, actually how can you even compare those two things? I mean a COVID vaccination up here, just a message about Jesus, well, what does that do? You know, it's just information. What's the big deal? Well, you're partly right. They're not comparable. But more on that later. But I wonder if many of us who are Christians here, as we look back at these opening sentences of the Galatian church and we, we hear that they've turned their backs on God and abandoned the good news of Jesus, I think it's easy for us to be astonished too. It's a little bit like when you're reading a novel or watching a movie and you can see what's going to happen a few steps ahead. You can see the characters as they're making decisions, as they're doing things, as they're walking into scenarios. And you know how we just, we just know it's not going to end well. You know, you find yourself going, what are you doing? Don't go in there. You know, don't hesitate. Kill him now because otherwise he's going to get you later. Or don't go back to her place. You're going to destroy your marriage. I think we can be a bit like that as we read the Bible. And as we look at Galatians, I think it's easy for us to look at the Galatians and go, what are you doing? It's so easy. Just stay with God. Don't abandon. But you know what? I don't think they had any clue that they were abandoning God. I don't think they realized that they had actually walked away from the gospel. And I think if we take a hard look at ourselves, I think we would come to see too that just like the Galatians, actually what they've done is something that every single Christian is in danger of doing. Of going into confusion, of walking away from God without even knowing it as the gospel gets twisted and distorted. Well, at the start of this letter, Paul is very clear about two things. One, we desperately need the gospel. And two, there's no other good news. Verse 1. Paul, sent by Jesus Christ and God the Father who raised him from the dead, grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself for our sins to rescue us from the present evil age, according to the will of our God and Father, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. Well, this brings up two questions that we really need to answer. I think the first one is, well, do we really need rescuing? Do we really need rescuing? What's the big deal? And two, if we do really need rescuing, can Jesus be the one who actually does it? Is he the way to be rescued? So, do we need rescuing? 
Well, what does it mean to be in an evil age? I don't, I don't know about you, but as I read that, uh, as I first sort of started reading Galatians and I came across this present evil age, I had to do a double take. I had to read it a few times and go, an evil age. Do I really believe that this world, this time that we live in, is truly evil? And I, I don't know about you, but I, I think my hunch is that many of us don't really kind of go around in our day-to-day lives with that kind of understanding. I think most of us don't really see the world around us and go, oh yeah, this is an evil age. I mean, we see that evil is out there in the world, but I think a lot of the time for us, it's kind of an out there problem. You know, we can look at other nations and tragedies and we look at horrible events in the news and we can see evil out there in pockets. But I think a lot of us don't have a sense, the knowledge, the understanding that actually this whole world that we live in is corrupt. And it's not so much an out there problem, but it's an in here problem as well as out there. See, I think that's because we're good at hiding our own evil from ourselves. Uh, The things that we don't want to think about. The things that we, you know, they pop up in the middle of the night and we quickly suppress them and push them down and try and forget that we ever thought that or said that or did that or felt those urges. The things that if anyone knew we would feel sick to the stomach about. We all have them, don't we? Things that we don't even share with our spouses or our closest friends. See, if we have a tender conscience, uh, we know that deep down there's brokenness, there's wickedness, there's evil, there's sin, there's filthiness and unworthiness in our own hearts. But all of this is just the tip of the iceberg. It's just the symptoms of a real problem that is far, far deeper. See, the real evil in our worlds and in our hearts is that we treat the only one true almighty God, the one who made us, who lovingly fashioned us and created us to be his special people, to treasure us and to love us and to pour out his blessing on us, we treat him like trash. He gave us everything and we walked out on him and turned our backs on him. He made us and we treat him like he has no claim on us. But we don't just walk out on him and ignore him. Actually, we curse God. So we don't just have the hide to destroy what he's made, but then we have the hide to turn around and blame him for the mess that we're in. And not only do we walk out on him, did we give up the one true glorious loving father but we've turned to other things we've turned to trash to take his place elsewhere in the bible in the book of romans paul puts it like this we have exchanged the glory of the immortal god for things made to look like people and birds and animals and reptiles We've exchanged the truth about God for a lie and worshipped and served created things rather than the creator. And we have become filled with every kind of wickedness, evil, greed, depravity, 
full of envy, murder, strife, deceit and malice, gossip, slanderers, God-haters, insolent, arrogant and boastful, constantly inventing new ways of doing evil. We disobey our parents. We have no understanding, no faithfulness, no love, no mercy. And although we know God's righteous decree that people who do such things deserve death, we not only continue to do these very things, but we also approve of people who practice them. See, if we're honest with ourselves, deep down, we know that is our sinful, wicked hearts. Yeah, we're gossips. We, we are filled with hatred at times. We are greedy. We are depraved. We crave what is not right. This is us. And we really, really do need rescuing. And this is why the message about Jesus is called gospel. Do you know the word gospel? It just, it's just the word good news. This is why it's good news, because the good news of the gospel is that Jesus did come to rescue us from this evil age that we live in and from the evil inside our own hearts. See, Jesus gave himself up to death even though he didn't deserve to die because he had never turned his back against God. But a little like a non-smoker coming and swapping their perfect lungs with the person they'd been telling for 50 years, you need to stop smoking. And they, they take their perfect organs and place them, well, the doctors, swap them for these cancer-riddled organs that are about to give way. Or it's a bit like a faithful wife who somehow managed to take away her serial cheating husband's HIV and give, her, give him her clean bill of health. Taking on a death sentence upon himself, Jesus took our evil, our sin, our guilt, our shame, our unworthiness on himself. He took our death in our place even though he was completely spotless and innocent, even though he is God. See, here in the very beginning of Galatians, here in verse 4, this is the good news that Paul opens his letter with. He gave himself for our sins to rescue us from the present evil age. That, of course, is not the whole good news, is it? Because there in verse 1, we see that God raised him from the dead. Our rescuer lives. He has succeeded in his mission. His, his life is eternal. It cannot be extinguished. He's paid the penalty for our sin, our evil, our wickedness, and yet he's bounced back. And it means he really is able to rescue us. He has already done everything. So this is God being gracious, giving us the opposite of what we deserve. And all we do is accept that gift. This isn't just good news. Of course, it's the best news. It's not in the same league as a COVID vaccine, is it? But this is also where we see most clearly 
the reality that we live in an evil age. See, even though we had rejected him, we curse him, turned our backs on him, held on to rubbish and trash in place of him, God sent us an olive branch. He extended the hand of grace and mercy. He took the curse of our curse upon himself. His son willingly gave his life in our place. And even after all that, our world still rejects him. It's not just to reject his goodness in creation anymore. But now we also reject his goodness in salvation, in rescue, in forgiveness, in his sacrifice. To reject God's son, to reject the gospel, the good news of Jesus. To treat that most costly of sacrifices like it's nothing. Well, that really is the most unimaginably evil there can be. And God's unimaginable wrath, his violent passion towards people who treat his son like trash, well, that wrath is completely justified. And so to anyone who still hasn't accepted Jesus yet, and I'm sure there are some of us in the room, I just want to speak to you really openly and truthfully today. Let me be blunt. This is the reality of your actions in choosing to continue to say no thank you to Jesus. It's actually treating God's incredible sacrifice of his own son like it's trash. And if you think that accepting Jesus or not is just a personal preference, it isn't. And if you think that accepting Jesus or not isn't a big deal, it is. And if you think that God will still look on you kindly after you have snubbed and kicked dirt in his face after he has given his son's life for you, he's not going to look on you kindly. Unless you stop and you accept what he's done. Unless you accept his grace that you don't deserve as I have. I'm not trying to bully or scare anyone into anything. I just want to give you the respect of showing you what's really at stake. I want to help you see how kind and gentle and merciful God has been to us in Jesus. Because I really pray that you will thank him and accept his gift and come to Jesus and find freedom. See, the reality is we do live in an evil age. We really do need rescuing. Jesus really can rescue us because he's already done it all. This is the gospel. This is the good news. And this is the the gospel that the Galatians had heard from Paul himself not long before Paul wrote this letter. We see there in verse 9 that this is the good news they had accepted. They had accepted Jesus. But now they're abandoning him for what they think is a better deal. But there is no better deal. Verse 6. 
I am astonished that you are so quickly deserting the one who called you to live in the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel, which is really no gospel at all. Now at the start, I mentioned uh, vaccinologists working hard uh, to make a COVID vaccine. Uh, But, you know, it's not just the scientists and the medical experts and the doctors and the researchers uh, who are working hard to make a vaccine. It's, there, there are plenty of other people too. There's, there's the, sh- the, sw- the swindlers, uh, the con men. Uh, this one's for you South Africans. The schlenters. Did I get it right? There you go. Maybe not. Okay. I tried. I won't do it again. See, it's not just the people who know what they're doing who have been trying to make a COVID vaccine. Uh, just in the news on ABC uh, on Wednesday, they posted an article with this headline. China cracks fake COVID vaccine crime ring, confiscates 3,000 doses. See, apparently, the other people working hard to make a vaccine were injecting syringes uh, with saline and selling it for a lot of money. See, unless it's a real vaccine, unless it actually does what it says on the bottle it does, actually actually is in the side a vaccine that will actually give us immunization against COVID, it won't do, will it? Saline's just not going to cut it. It's no vaccine at all. And you know, the Galatians, they too had been hoodwinked. Just like those people, they had bought a fake vaccine. They had been thrown into confusion, we see in verse, nine, uh, verse 7. People, tricksters, con men, had been perverting the gospel of Christ. So this wasn't as obvious as a straight swap. The Galatians didn't know they were turning their backs on God and walking out on the gospel. They just couldn't see that in changing it, in perverting it, in twisting it, in modifying it, they'd actually thrown the baby out with the bathwater. See, the gospel is a little bit like a sensitive vaccine. See, if you try and dilute it, you won't get enough dose. If you try and mix it with something else, you'll probably kill it. If you try and remove some of it, you won't get as much as you need. And you've killed the whole thing. As soon as you mess with that vaccine, it's not going to work anymore. Don't argue with me if you actually know what you're talking about. See, it's like that with the good news of Jesus. It's like that with the gospel. If you add to it, if you dilute it, if you take from it, if you mess with it, it doesn't work. You don't have the gospel anymore. You've thrown Jesus out with the bathwater. See, as we were reminded last week, the gospel must be kept naked. unaltered, untampered with, or it's no gospel at all. And we see here that Paul has some of the strongest language and the strongest feelings that we see in all of the the Bible Paul used towards people who tamper with the gospel. Here he, he calls them twice, twice. He says, let them be under the fullness of God's curse. Now, it's been sort of my history over um, 10 plus years of gospel, public gospel ministry that uh, 
pretty much any time uh, I have taught publicly and denounced false teaching, uh, I seem to cop flack. I seem to have people come to me and say, how can you say that about these people, you know? How can you say that they're, they're Christians and it's, it's the same? Uh, but here, Paul's not beating around the bush, is he? Paul is straight down the line here. If anybody is preaching to you a gospel other than what you accepted, let them be under God's curse. See, imagine you had bought those fake vaccines thinking they were real. And imagine your family had been vaccinated. And then months later, your son or your daughter or your wife or your husband dies of COVID. You'd have some pretty strong things to say about those con men who'd sold it to you, wouldn't you? How much more when we're dealing with eternity, when we're dealing with the good news that brings eternal freedom. We're not just talking life and death. We're talking eternal life and eternal death. See, we must stop turning a blind eye to teachers who are perverting the gospel. And if you've ever caught yourself sort of covering from them, going, oh, no, they're the same. You know, they're, they're Christians. They're still Christians. It's okay. You know, it's just a little bit different to us. No, that's not okay. If people are perverting the gospel, we can't excuse or downplay what they're doing. Because when we do, we actually join them in creating more confusion and turning more people away from the good news of Jesus. I thought here would be a good chance just to pause and reflect. Uh, We are in an evil age and we are bombarded just as the Galatians were with many other Gospels, many other supposed good newses. Of course, they don't come to us as that. They just come to us as ideas and ideologies and good ways to live. Now, some of them in our world are just obviously a million miles from Jesus. But some are harder to spot. And I think no matter how similar or how dissimilar they look, I think they all have an attractiveness about them. They all tug at us and pull on us and push on us. And they all tug on that sinful desire in our hearts. And so all of us, me particularly, all of us, are prone to turning our backs, to deserting the good news of Jesus, sometimes without even knowing it. Now, as we work through Galatians, we'll be each week there will be new ones that we'll deal with. And today I just want to have a quick little stop and think about two of them. The first is what I call the all roads lead to heaven gospel. Now, this is technically called pluralism. And you'll know this is really common in our culture today, isn't it? Uh, It's had more impact, I think, in the church than many of us realise. It's quite attractive, isn't it? It reduces conflict. We can all hold hands and get along and sing kumbaya. And it's often argued out of a character of God. You know, God's so kind, I can't imagine that he would turn away these good people. These people who are, they're working hard and they think they're going the right way and God's so compassionate, surely he won't turn them away. See, we've taken 
something about God and we've twisted it and perverted it because we've lost that God is good and judge and that he sent his son as the only way. So it might sound like good news, but if you were on your way to Alice Springs and you stopped at Mount Barker to ask for directions and someone told you, you said, oh, which way do I go? How do I get to Alice? Where do I head? And they said, oh, it doesn't matter. Just pick a road and drive down it. They all get there. That's crazy, isn't it? They don't. You, you might, you know, very slim chance, you might freakishly end up in Alice, but you probably won't. That's just stupidity. And the reality is that there is only one true God. He has given us one way to come to him through his son. And so don't go expecting God to welcome people with open arms after they've spent their lives rejecting what he has clearly, graciously given to them in his son. So that's the first one. The all roads lead to heaven. Sounds good, but it's not. And the second one, before we finish, I call it the best life now gospel. Uh, this sounds Christian. It's often got lots and lots of Jesus language, lots of blessing, lots of scripture, lots of quoting Bible verses and saying how Jesus wants to bless us. And it's, again, kind of picking up on something, but twisting it. See, in this good news, Jesus is less, hey, let me rescue you from this evil age. And Jesus is a little bit more like, hey, let me help you have a great time in this age of blessing. Can you see the difference? It sounds pretty good, unless this actually is an evil age. And it doesn't sound good to someone who's genuinely in pain and suffering. It doesn't sound good to someone whose life doesn't get more comfortable. It doesn't sound good to someone who has lost their spouse or their child or their friend and has to spend the rest of their lives without them. It's a substandard good news, and it's not good news at all. And actually, it's, it's more dangerous than that again, because Jesus said that generally, when we follow Christ, the opposite will happen. Life will get tougher if we follow Christ. Life will be less comfy if we follow Christ. And when life is more comfortable here, we're actually in more danger of loving the creation rather than the creator and we're way back at square one down the rabbit hole see if we're coming to jesus out of greed or selfish gain and what we can get out of in this life then we're really asking jesus to enable that evil in us that greed that self-focus that selfishness rather than to rescue us from it the best life now is no gospel the true gospel of jesus is the only good news in this evil age. It's the one thing we need. It's the only way to freedom. Don't abandon it. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your incredible grace. Lord, please help us to fully realise and acknowledge and confess before you how utterly wicked and evil our sin is that we turned our backs on you, that we cursed you, that we have turned our noses up 
at the incredible sacrifice of your son. But we thank you that even though we were your enemies, you sent your son Jesus to save us. You've offered us the olive branch. You offer us free forgiveness and that he's done everything for us. So Lord, I pray this morning that we would not desert you. We would not abandon this great news, but that we would cling to Jesus and accept the gift he's given. Amen.